Hello, Filled With Messages friends. I'm so grateful that you've joined me today. If you don't know me, my name's Ruth Farrell, and amongst other things, I'm the lead pastor of St. Peter United Church of Christ in Lake Zurich, Illinois. Thanksgiving is a holiday with a lot of force. We force ourselves to eat one more bite of sweet potatoes with marshmallows because they're a once a year food and they taste so good. We force ourselves to make small talk with cousin Bernie because grandma told us to do so and now she's sitting on the sofa giving us the look. We might even have to force ourselves to to think of things for which we're thankful as we share around the dinner table on Thanksgiving. I think it's safe to say that no one really wants to be ungrateful. We've read the studies showing the importance of gratitude. We know how good it feels when someone expresses their appreciation for us. The scripture passages that shout their praise and thanksgiving to God are cheerful, and most of us would like to be the same. Well, I mean, maybe not too cheerful, but a little cheerful would be okay. But beyond the usual, I'm grateful for my family, my home, this food, etc., studies have shown that people often have a hard time listing the reasons they're thankful. Our brains tend to skip quickly over the good things in life and fixate on the things we find frustrating, hard, and annoying. Ignoring the pain of our life isn't wise or godly. When we shove our feelings down, the technical term is repress, they end up coming out sideways and often at the people we love the most and want to hurt the least. There are also times when life is truly, genuinely, heartbreakingly, inexplicably awful. In those times, no one, let alone God, would blame us for struggling to find reasons to give thanks. But even when we're not going through incredibly difficult seasons of life, studies show humans tend to look at life as half empty rather than half full. We struggle to list the things for which we could easily be grateful, even when they're staring us right in the face. For instance, we can simply be grateful to be alive, but maybe it feels like that thought could easily devolve into sarcasm. If so, perhaps it helps us to be just a little more specific. We can be grateful that we're alive in a time and place where we put our garbage outside in a can once a week and someone with a big truck comes and takes it away. For a few years, I had to put my trash in my car every week and take it to the transfer station. Let me assure you, that is a less than enjoyable experience. Once we've started down the path to gratitude, we, see, we tend to see more and more reasons to give thanks. We can be thankful for the scientists who discovered the importance of sanitation. We can be thankful for the people who worked in the factory that made our trash cans and bags. We can be thankful for the inventor of garbage trucks. And we can be particularly thankful for the individuals who drive garbage trucks. That's a job I certainly wouldn't want to have. I'll bet you could come up with other things to be thankful for on this theme, because once we find an attitude of gratitude, it's often full steam ahead. But how do we start down the path of gratitude when we're struggling to do so in our relationship with God? How do we move beyond giving God platitudes of gratitude and give thanks to the Lord with a truly and deeply grateful heart. Today's scripture text has some thoughts which might help. Hear these words from Psalm 100. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. 
Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Will you pray with me? Holy Spirit, we ask that you would open our hearts and our minds and our ears and our bodies to hear you speaking to us words of life and direction and hope and peace. May the words of my mouth and the thoughts in all of our hearts, may they be acceptable in your eyes, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Psalm 100 is one of those scripture passages which can feel almost a little too cheerful, obnoxiously joyful. With nearly aggressive enthusiasm, the author tells the whole world to worship God with gladness, joyful songs, and praise. Perhaps some of us inwardly roll our eyes at the bossiness of the poet, thinking, no one I've never met before and who died thousands of years ago is going to tell me how to think or what to do or how to feel. But hiding behind the poet's exuberant imperatives are some really solid and healthy pathways to gratitude for God. Know that the Lord, literally Yahweh, is God, writes the psalmist. Yahweh is God's personal name, but it's often rendered LORD in all caps in our Bibles. When we think of knowing something, it's mostly an intellectual pursuit. We know that our turkey weighs 17.5 pounds. We know that our third cousin Elmer hates cranberry sauce. And we also know that if we could forget that useless piece of knowledge, it would free up room for more important things like the password to our Netflix account. But in the ancient Hebrew world, this word know wasn't just an intellectual thing. To know was to have a deep and meaningful relationship. To know meant you were intimately acquainted. To know was a thing you did not just with your mind, but with your whole being. This type of knowing is the knowing we have with our best friends and hopefully our kids, at least when they're young, and our life partners. When the author of Psalm 100 invites us to know that Yahweh is God, they're reminding us of the intimate, deep, personal relationship we have with God. The author is inviting us not just to skim the surface of our relationship with God, but plumb the depths of our connection. When we think about it, that's a pretty awesome thought. The universe is vast, history is long, and yet we can intimately know God, the creator of all that is, was, and ever will be. We can know God as closely as we know our best friends. We can know God not just with our minds, with our intellect, but with our entire beings. To be sure, knowing God in this way is just one of the journeys of our lifetimes. But that it's even possible to know God intimately is a reason we can give thanks. One of the reasons we know God deeply, personally, and intimately is because God made us and we are his. There are a lot of people, places, and things that influence us throughout our lives. Some of them influence us positively, but there are also just as many things and people that hurt us, many that fracture us into pieces, But God never loses sight of the incredible and beloved people he made us to be. God is always ready to lead us to places where our brokenness can be healed, 
so that we can be put back together into the whole people he made us to be. Just in case you've been feeling broken for a long time, wondering where your wholeness is, let me be clear, God does not force or rush the process. Doing so will only hurt us further. And sometimes our understanding of who God made us to be has been blurred by various influences and hurts, so we have to let go of what we expect our whole selves to look like before we can find wholeness. For instance, I'm sorry to tell you this, but you are never going to look like Heidi Klum, so if you're holding out for that, let it go. (laughs) God made us. God loves us. And we are gods on days when we know that when every fiber of our being and on the days when we have lost all hope. In those truths, in those promises, we trust. And in them, we find pathways to gratitude for God. We are God's people, the sheep of God's pasture. As you may be aware, one of the primary metaphors for God throughout scripture is shepherd. God, our good shepherd, invites us to know, again, in that whole being sense, that God leads us throughout our lives and invites us to follow God through valleys of the shadow of death to green meadows and still waters. It invites us to allow God to redirect us when we're wandering off the paths of righteousness. It invites us to surrender ourselves to God's goodness and mercies all the days of our lives. Sometimes it does not feel like God is acting as our good shepherd, though. Sometimes it feels as if God has abandoned us. When the Lord does not seem present in the way we believe God ought to be, writes one author, it does not mean that we have been rejected or that our faith wasn't sufficient for God's attention. It means either that God is stepping back slightly, temporarily, to test us, or that God has someplace else, somewhere farther along towards which we are being called. Detecting this change in God's presence and finding the courage to point it out does not mean that you're lacking in faith, knowledge, or wisdom, and it certainly does not indicate a moral failing on your part. If anything, silence from God may be an indication that you are mature enough to let go of immature expectations and encounter another deeper facet of the creator of the universe. Coming to know with our whole beings that God, our good shepherd, is always faithfully leading us. and that, we can find reasons to give thanks. For Yahweh is good and his loving kindness endures forever. There's an old call and response, which many churches share as they gather for worship. The pastor says, God is good, and the congregation responds all the time. The pastor continues, and all the time, the congregation responds, God is good. It's simple but true. God is good all the time. In a world filled with things that are not good. In a world filled with things that look good on the surface but are rotten underneath. In a world filled with things that started out good but went bad. Thank God that God is always good. God's goodness is permanent as is God's loving kindness. The word chesed is one of my favorites. It's a Hebrew word, and it gets translated so many different ways in our English Bibles. Mercy, grace, here in Psalm 100, it's often rendered loving kindness. If you know the biblical story of Ruth, 
This is the type of love she showers on her mother-in-law, Naomi. It's an utterly faithful love. To quote Shakespeare, it's love that is not altered when alteration finds. It's love that will pursue us until we know fully that we are fully loved just as we are right now. Meditating on God's chesed love for us can start us down a road to thankfulness. We often push back against things we're forced to do. But sometimes forcing ourselves to do something is wise. We might have to force ourselves to take bad-tasting medicine because we know it will help heal our bodies. We might have to force ourselves to make our first appointment with a mental health professional because we know it will help us uncover the root of our depression. And we might even need to force ourselves to take a few moments a day to remind ourselves of the many, many reasons we are truly grateful for our relationship with God because we help know it will help us weather all life's storms. Thanks so much for joining me today, friends. And the message I quoted from Gaslighted by God, a book by Tiffany Brooks. As you go from here, may you be on the lookout for reasons to give thanks, especially to give thanks to God who loves you just as you are right now. Grace and peace to you, my friends. And if you're happening to listen to this Thanksgiving week, I wish you a truly happy Thanksgiving. Take good care. We'll talk soon. Bye-bye.